electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, it's a big deal. Honest. The Honest Company's debut with none other than its founder, Jessica Alba. Now everyone is aware of how they can live a better life, and they do care about safety and health, sustainability, diversity and inclusion, something that Gen Z cares about. And a whole new world of big deals, NFTs, with believer, entrepreneur, and media guru Gary Vaynerchuk. This is internet, 1999. Crazy hype on the overall technology, way too many people land grabbing and going for cash. The blockchain, and I believe non-fungible tokens, are a much, much bigger thing. Plus, Janet Yellen cooling down some rate talk, and how do you take your Krispy Kreme? If they're glazed, I can do a dozen in a day, but... <laughs> With butter and maybe ice cream and, and maybe, maybe even some syrup or something. It's Wednesday, May 5th, 2021. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin, and happy Cinco de Mayo, May 5th. Planning for a little party later today? I do. My tie's having a party right now. There's a a lime slice, a salt shaker, and something in a shot glass that... uh, (laughs) Better than a party in your pants. I'm sorry? I'm sorry? I'm (laughs) sorry? Party with your tie. I'm Good sorry. 601. <laughs> Ding! 601. Sorry. I like you it. Said it a I like it. Time. You're after my own. Uh. <laughs> okay. First up today on the podcast, the markets recuperating from a quick turnaround on Tuesday, prompted by comments from Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen at an economy summit hosted by The Atlantic. The former Fed chair and current Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen suggested a move for interest rates, which is no longer in her job purview. It may be that interest rates will have to rise somewhat to make sure that our economy doesn't overheat. Now, just to remind you, the Federal Reserve has kept interest rates anchored at near zero for over a year, even though the U.S. economy is growing at its fastest rate in nearly four decades. Because of this and all the stimulus spending from the pandemic, more and more concerns about inflation have surfaced. Current Fed Chair Jerome Powell addressed these concerns in his last press conference just a week ago. If, contrary to expectations, inflation were to move persistently and materially above 2%, in a matter that threatened to move uh, longer-term inflation expectations materially above 2%, we would use our tools to bring inflation and expectations down to mandate consistent levels. Yesterday, after her comments prompted a dip in the stock market, Janet Yellen clarified her remarks and basically echoed the guy who's in charge of all of this now, Jay Powell, who you just heard. This time, Yellen spoke to The Wall Street Journal. I don't anticipate that inflation is going to be a problem, but it is something that we're watching very carefully. And um, if it does, if it if it is a problem, which I don't expect, um, there are certainly tools available. 
Yellen also clarified that she wasn't recommending or suggesting any rise to interest rates, as that's not her role, not anymore. Since she used to be in charge of monetary policy at the Fed, it's not unusual for Wall Street to hear Yellen comment on things like inflation and interest rates. But now that she's a White House official, a cabinet secretary, however, it could be a little strange. The independence of the Federal Reserve is critical to our economy's mechanics. And basically, until the Trump administration, the White House has stayed out of the way on Fed decision-making. But boy, is that a mouthful. You have a Treasury secretary who happens to have been the former Fed chairman who was going through saying some of these things, and she walked that back pretty quickly. Uh, the Dow did close higher yesterday, but it was the, the lone one of the three major indexes that was higher. S&P was down a little bit, and then the NASDAQ was really down pretty significantly yesterday. It was a drop of over 260 points. It was about 1.9% of a decline, and it was the biggest down day we've seen since March 24th for the NASDAQ. Let's check out the cryptocurrencies, because Dogecoin is the one to watch. I actually saw news reports yesterday, guys, speculating that the reason it's up right now is because Elon Musk is going to be on Saturday Night Live on Saturday. So that's what you have happening. Dogecoin up 17%. And by the way, Dogecoin, which was about a half of a penny just a few months ago, now sitting at 66 cents, Dogecoin's market cap is now $86 billion. I think there's some Reddit stuff happening with, with Dogecoin. It's a, it reminds me of, uh, I don't know, of the whole GameStop frenzy. I mean, this is... Fast. That's unbelievable. And and then how about Yellen when she says something? I'm like, oh my God, Yellen said something. Oh yeah, yeah. She's she's Treasury Secretary now. She's not. uh, But it's still (laughs) she's still got the mojo of the uh, head of the Fed. You know, it's it's good to to start as the head of the Fed and then go to Treasury because it's still like Yellen, Yellen. And but she's not. You know, it's not Jay Powell saying it. So. Um, I mean, we used to do Mnuchin, and you know, what he said was important, but I, I think that gives her, and the, don't and you the think dollar. it's like an added? Look, it, oh, yeah, she's It reminded not. me of Mnuchin and the comments he made at the dollar. Remember very early on in his tenure when <laughs> yeah. we spoke to him at um, he never in, made again. Davos, yeah. and he kind of said something about, yeah, he never made it again. And I, I think that's the thing for Treasury officials. And for, for the new Treasury secretary, it takes a little time to work into this and remember that people hang on your every word on things like this. And she, I, I, I'm sure she never meant to imply that she was giving directives or trying to tell the Fed what to do. She answered honestly what she was thinking about something right. and then realized you can't always do that when you're the Treasury Rates Secretary. may need to rise if the economy gets hot. I mean, that seems like you know, it's not that yeah. big a stretch. Fairly obvious, right. President Biden announcing some new goals in the fight against COVID, including getting 70 percent of U.S. adults to receive at least one dose of a vaccine by July 4th. The administration also targeting 160 million adults fully vaccinated by Independence Day. The president said if the country can hit those goals in the next two months, we're going to have a take to take a serious step towards a return to normal. Now, the administration also reallocating vaccine doses from states that aren't using them to others and president will direct thousands of local pharmacies to provide walk-in vaccinations to people without appointments. FEMA is going to plan to support pop-up and mobile clinics aimed at people who might have trouble reaching vaccination sites. As of yesterday, 40.8 percent of U.S. adults were fully vaccinated. More than 56 percent had received at least one dose. Krispy Kreme, my favorite set to return to the public market five years after it was taken private. It was bought by JAB Holdings uh, for $1.35 billion back in 2016. The donut chain has filed confidentially for an IPO to take advantage of a record boom in capital raising. And guys, uh, National Donut Day happens to be on June 8th. I just want to put it out there for you because you know my interest in 
in donuts, and I'm hoping maybe they'll do their IPO on June 8th. Are you going to see if you can eat a dozen in one day? I've done a dozen. Only if they're glazed. If they're glazed, I can do a dozen in a day. But if you you start doing Mm. fillings, then it gets harder. Mm. But Mm. yeah. With... uh, with butter and maybe ice cream and, and maybe on. maybe even some syrup or something. But what was it? C K R M E was the old because this was public or was it? Maybe it was K R E M E. I don't remember because it was public five years ago. It wasn't that, that time flies. Um, I want to say K R M E, but I, I don't think. Yeah. It was. Do, do you? Where do you get the free donut every day if you got the vaccine? Can't you do that too? Have you taken advantage of that? You, that. I have not taken event. I have my, you know, I have my QR code and my my vaccine, uh, my, my my vaccine app ready to go. I should walk in there and do that. I've, I'm yeah, trying to should. be good. I'm trying to be good as I build up to, you know, then there's June 8th. That's a big day. So I try to get all my donuts in on one day. <laughs> I mean, they make Mountain Dew that you fly off the walls. You eat 12 of those donuts, you're going to be soaring. I, I, I don't know if that's, uh, I mean, that's a lot of. But there's a crash, too, Joe. There's a crash. Yeah, there is a crash. There is a crash. I was going to say, I've watched you eat like nine, and, you you know, it, 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 it's the sugar high, but the crash that comes afterwards comes pretty fast. Yeah. Yep. Remember those ones we have here that there's some good ones here that have, like, bacon on them and stuff? Uh, they're really we were, There was a great company, a Philadelphia company. Okay, That's Homer. escaping me that sent them to us. Yep. That were amazing. Remember that oh, it was on do- it was on National Donut Day. You couldn't send anyway. them anywhere because it would just whatever's on them just would spread out on the newspapers. Like, but uh, they were good. <laughs> An interesting story on the front page of today's Wall Street Journal on a stock with a price that's just too damn high. Berkshire Hathaway's Class A shares are trading at more than $421,000. The price has actually grown so high that it's approaching the maximum number that can be stored in some exchange computers. Yesterday, NASDAQ temporarily suspended broadcasting prices of those shares over several popular data feeds. Its computers use a digital format that can't count higher than $429,000 and change. It's a 32-bit measure, old-time computers. The NASDAQ is actually rushing to finish an upgrade later this month that would fix the problem, but exchange operator IEX has also reported the same limitation. Of course, this is a problem that's unique to Berkshire because the U.S. stock with the second highest price is home builder NVR. It's trading only at about $5,100 a share. Warren Buffett has famously refused to execute a stock split, signing birthday cards to friends with the message, may you live until Berkshire splits. But Andrew, this is a little bit of a Y2K problem that is specific only to Berkshire at this point. I love that. May you live until the stock splits. I, I, right. So you better not split it at that point, right? After you've signed that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's like Pretty knowing if you pick where or when. You're going to die. You you want to know where and just never go there. So don't ever split the stock and you live forever, I guess. Um, Right. The the stock version of hell is going to freeze over. Coming up, a huge lineup today. Among the highlights, uh, really? The Honest Company CEO plus co-founder, Jessica Alba, is here, I think, going to be in the NASDAQ. Do you guys think that she's a a fan? Do you think she's going to want to come out on the set? and say, I'd really like to meet Joe. And have you sign an autograph? Probably not. But before we get to that interview, internet and marketing entrepreneur Gary Vaynerchuk, his new project with non-fungible tokens and the bright new pixelated future. You're gonna find it hard pressed for any business in the world to not issue an NFT for everything they do. 
because it's going to make logical sense the way having a social media account and having a website make logical sense. It's a trip in more ways than one. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna live in the metaverse in VR, put on my headset and walk around garage sales and find NFTs. All coming up on Squawk Pod. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. Entrepreneur Gary Vaynerchuk has a lot of jobs. What I talked about in that book, and what I'll say right now is, not every person was destined to make $10 million being an influencer. He runs an advertising and digital branding company. He was an early YouTuber with his wine TV videos a decade ago from a New Jersey wine shop. And he hosted us for a preview. Hey, that sounds good, we're ready to go. Of his newest project. I'm Gary V, and this is what I'm doing. I'm drawing my NFT project, which is focusing on human traits that I admire in character form. Uh, I'm focusing on access, community, creativity, and really trying to create a blueprint of NFT projects that will work both for the people buying it and the people creating V Friends is an NFT collection launching today, one-of-a-kind digital art backed by specific blockchain technology. Think of it as a collectible and think of it as a token that can create access. So, so far, most people have been focusing on the art part, right? We've seen the big headlines, Beeple's $69 million thing, things of that nature. Alternative investments are why Sotheby's and Christie's existed for 200 years. Antiques. I just think this generation of 20, 30, 40-year-olds are not interested in buying a teacup from 1647 old Europe. I think they're more interested in buying pop culture. Gary was in a house in California overlooking the ocean and was heads down on drawing cartoon after cartoon. Tigers, bulls, snakes, goats, all sorts of animal doodles to make the 10,000 plus tokens the actual art that are for sale as part of the V Friends NFT collection. I have an entire ecosystem of characters. For example, Hangout Hawk. 125 of these are gonna be individuals who are able to be part of a Hangout, a Zoom, or whatever I put the you know, video technology layer on top of it. Is this the next big digital innovation? Ownership, but with extras. Ownership, but on the blockchain, not in a frame on the wall. Why does everybody under 20 care about how many followers they have, and that's a whole insecurity thing that we gotta talk about, but why? Why will it matter? Because digital assets, NFTs, will become the currency of communication. 
Gary Vaynerchuk is great at looking forward. He was an early investor in a few little companies like Facebook, Twitter, Uber, and Coinbase. And with that track record, he says, this is it. Non-fungible tokens have staying power. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna live in the metaverse in VR, put on my headset and walk around garage sales and find NFTs. He spoke to Joe Kernan, Andrew Ross Sorkin, and Becky Quick on our TV broadcast today. Joe will take it away. To be honest, it sounds kind of wacky uh, at, at first uh, blush, right? Can you, can you start at the beginning and, and go over it for us, Gary Vee? Anytime, anytime smart people think something I'm doing is wacky on first blush, I know I'm doing something really important. <laughs> so, to break it down, first and foremost, it is a uh, platform that has a smart contract underneath it that gives every single person of the 10,255 token holders a ticket to a three-year super conference that I'm also announcing called VCon. Think of it as South by Southwest meets Davos meets Rolling Loud, Comic Con, a huge conference. So where, where people have been missing NFTs and continue to miss NFTs is the smart contract. This isn't about me putting out a piece of art, even though I've been doodling for a long time, even though this is also the beginning of me uh, standing up an intellectual property that I'm going to be building for the rest of my career, what I'm trying to do is bring enormous value underneath the contract, including 555 gift goats, my friend, that actually, when you buy that token, you register to the site, and a minimum of six times a year over three years, you're getting a surprise physical gift in the mail. What I've done is created triggers to allow me to bring tremendous off chain value while using the on-chain dynamics. The uh, Ethereum is involved That's the, uh, with a non-custodial wallet. That's how you can do it. There's going to be a Dutch auction for most of these. And, and you, do you have any idea what uh, one of these would cost uh, for starters? Can you just estimate it and where yeah. it could go? Uh, you know, the, the majority of tokens are going to start at three Ethereum and then Dutch auction down to 0.5. I wanted to cap it because right now there's a frenzy and a hysteria. We have way too many people putting out projects and people just overspending. I think we're seeing uh, a lot of dynamics of the ICO market in 17 and definitely for this crowd, if they remember, I mean, this is so easy for this crowd. This is internet, 1999. Crazy hype on the overall technology, way too many people land grabbing and going for cash. Boom, it's March and April 2000. This crowd watching knows collapse but meanwhile, in that collapse was eBay, was Amazon, and most of all, when people said, oh, the internet is a fad and left the sector, that was the time to double down. It was the beginning of the most important change in technology in our history. The blockchain, and I believe non-fungible tokens, are a much, much bigger thing than a JPEG that's a piece of art worth money. It's the underlining contracts and the things that it can do offline and it was important for me to put this out because I, you know, I appreciate what you said. I've got a career at this point where people are going to look at it. And my plan is I launched Be Friends today and every celebrity influencer, tastemaker steps back now, cancels their meetings today, gets their teams together and says, that piece of crap art we were going to put out next week for a quick couple of bucks. Let's spend three months and put out something meaningful to our community because if they win, we win. I mean, in terms of, uh, Gary, just being a futurist, uh, I mean, you've been right. I, I don't know if you've 
if you uh, miscalculate it anywhere uh, at this point. So to, to say that this is not going to come to pass, I, I would be uh, crazy to say that, that, that the, the communities and, and I guess, is it about monetizing celebrity to some people? Gary, is that it's what it would be? Or is, it's not all about helping community, uh, helping people actually get into the new age. That isn't the only reason that someone would do this, is it? I mean, you could if you're, you know, an angel or an ideologist. I mean, I think the, I think every great brand, every great business, the number one way to be selfish is to be selfless up front. I mean, if you're able to provide more value than, you know, than you charged for, you know, you're always going to win. I mean, it's not a super complicated game. I think the problem with, you know, the Wall Street dynamic or the entrepreneurs that just want to buy a boat is everyone's in a vicious cycle of short-term economics. Everybody wants it now, now, now. You know, I think, I believe that NFTs create an incredible infrastructure for brands, intellectual property, and individuals to create very meaningful monetization for themselves over time. But don't forget, these tokens become things that the audience are able to transact on. If people are thoughtful, um, patient, and really, really execute something of value, they have an incredible opportunity to have a win-win situation, which does happen in business and life. Hey, Gary. Can you just explain, because I, I have to admit, I'm still confused a little bit about how this is going to work. So, so each um, of these drawings go for uh, up to effectively $9,000 right now, or close to $10,000 based on, on what Ether is, is priced at, right? You said it's capped at three, three Ether, is that right? The three admission, 9,400 of the tokens, the far majority are admission tokens, and they range between 10 and three Ethereum all the way down to 0.5 or 3 because I'm Dutch auctioning and if they don't go off, they go to that floor. There's a whole level of tokens that are the big part of the project called access tokens where people are able to get mentorship uh, sessions with me, group dinners, hangout sessions. Uh, there's even a courtside cat token, which is a three-year token that lets you go sit right there courtside at Madison Square Garden with me. You know, so the reality is that there was a whole access layer. And as you can imagine, if Novak Djokovic is watching this and says, wait a minute, instead of just a, a photo that a digital artist makes of me, why don't I put a contract that allows people to play tennis with me? You start creating that economy of access, which is really the most limited thing in the world. And you could start seeing how this layers. This is gonna be how memberships work. This is gonna be how Artists launch an album, and in their pre-sell of the album, the token, the five best tokens are actually accessed to go in studio while they work the album. This is a layer of smart contract that people haven't wrapped their head around. And let me make this point, because I like being right, and I like clipping this in seven years and whatever the social platform of the day is. When we get into public wallets, where the way we look at each other's Instagram or the way we Google each other after we meet each other or see somebody on this great program, you're like, oh, that was interesting. We're gonna start looking at everybody's public wallets and see what tokens they have. These are gonna become collectible derivatives, they're gonna become assets, and they're definitely gonna be marketing material. We're gonna be in a place as costs drive down of doing these NFT projects from a tech standpoint where you're gonna find it hard pressed for any business in the world to not issue an NFT for everything they do because it's going to make logical sense the way having a social media account and having a website make logical sense. And, and, and in terms of cost to you, so 
How do you think about that? You said, that, for example, there might be six gifts a year that you'd get with the token. If they're going to uh, sit next to you at the garden, that seat costs you real money. The $10,000 shopping spree at Wine Library at my dad's store, Wine Shopping Spree Woodchuck. Look for that one. Uh, my accountant's jaw hit the ground when they understood the floor of the Ethereum price if this project went well. And I'm explaining to them how we have to start thinking about a loss on this uh, business. And they just couldn't wrap their head in, around it. I said, guys, gals, there's a three-year conference directly attached to this. I am gonna throw a monster, multi-million dollar production. When I see how well or not well this does, when I launch here, hopefully uh, tonight, uh, the auction, I'm gonna have to then throw a conference that disproportionately impacts and does well. So if everyone pays $9,000, like you said, you can imagine I'm amortizing a $3,000 four-day ticket. I spent months looking at every single conference pricing. If I'm able to over-deliver and bring a five, seven, $10,000 experience that weekend, because I'm disproportionately overpaying the best speakers in the world, the Elons, the Baracks, the, the Kanye's, whoever you're gonna go with, well, then you can imagine that that token becomes incredibly interesting. You know, I'm gonna bleed the rest of this year to make Q1's VCon 22 the single must-see event and go-to event every year, which creates an incredible opportunity for the people that jumped in, and that creates VCon 2023 demand cycles that I don't think people are anticipating. So for me, this is about building the intellectual property. This is about building my Barney, my Harry Potter. And you'll see that it's around the things I talk about as Gary B. I'm exhausted. I don't want to be the front man. I want patient Panda to do work around patients and candor cat and things of that Gary, nature. Yes. I just want to make sure I understand this. This is you're buying it and then you're going to line up the guests and figure out what the conference is. And right now, Ethereum's running hot. If something happens that it drops or you don't get the demand you were anticipating, does that mean a lesser conference? You just figure it out based on what you sell? No, because the dollars come in. To me, I, I have to deliver on what people are in at and over deliver. I'm building economy and interest and demand and brand, and most of all, my reputation online. This is, this is a project I have to work on constantly uh, to over-deliver on. Not to mention, I'm also trying, again, to build you know, Hanna-Barbera or Disney. These characters are things that I'm gonna la launch consumer packs <laughs> with. Modest you know. expectations. Yeah, but you know, listen, you know, everything I've done when I launched Empathy, uh, uh, when I launched this agency, I was a wine retailer and a lot of people laughed. I built one of the largest independent ad agencies of all time. I want those expectations because why wouldn't I? I'm also willing to admit defeat if I don't do it. But why not go for the jugular? All right. Gary Vee, you got to come back. Got to go over some of this again uh, for me, uh, uh, maybe not everybody, but uh, I, I mean, I'm blown away and fascinated by it because I've I never thought of it. I, I always said, what's next after Twitter? What are we going to do? Uh, what's going to be the next big thing? And it's like, I had no idea that, that something like this would, uh, and all built on blockchain, which I, I know just enough about to be dangerous. Gary Vee, thank you. Uh, mm -hmm. it, we'll, we'll have you back and good luck. Thank you. Can you just send me one of those? I don't really want to pay for it, but uh, do, do you like a neat one? What, what, one of your best ones? Anyway, okay. three of us, all three of Joe, us. I think Joe, we can always get you a digital copy without the NFT attached. That's.
to be. I want so the smart want the drawing, contract. We'll get you the drawing. I want the smart. I'm just uh, getting used to smart phones. We'll get you both. Yeah. Next on Squawk Pod Lifestyle Brand, The Honest Company, and its $400 million market debut. Building a clean business with founder Jessica Alba. This is right. the moment where we really dig into this next phase of growth. Um, and this is, you know, really the beginning for us in a lot of ways. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big. Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Here's Joe Kernan. Let's uh, talk um, about this big IPO. Jessica Alba, the honest company set to go public. Leslie Picker uh, joins us with more on the growing uh, consumer goods company. You, you, have you done some of the products and stuff, Leslie? You're familiar with it? I, I haven't. Yeah. I Really? I have. I should have brought props, but no, I, I am familiar. I've used uh, some of their baby products as well as some of their skincare products, and uh, it's been quite the journey for this company, yeah. a volatile few years to get to the public markets. Uh, but today, the maker of the baby and beauty products is looking to make its debut. Honest priced its shares in its IPO at $16 each, a dollar below the top of the range it had been marketing to investors. That level implies a $1.4 billion valuation. And that's shy of the $1.7 billion valuation Honest notched in a private funding round six years ago. Now, that fundraising took place just prior, if you guys recall, to those voluntary recalls. There were some ingredient labeling issues and class action lawsuits, all of which caused the company to take a reputational hit and sales to slow. Now, Honest actually lost its unicorn status in 2017, raising capital below a billion-dollar valuation. But after several changes in the C-suite and a pandemic that refocused consumers to be more health-conscious and Internet-savvy, Honest has regained its footing. Sales grew 28% last year to $300 million. Net losses were cut in half. And later today, Wall Street will have its say when shares begin trading. Honest Company's listing will be on the NASDAQ under the symbol H-N-S-T, guys. H-N-S-T. Well, H-N-S-T. there's a lot of commotion. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> well, there, are, there is. I, I, I saw one guy I know. He's one of our big security guys and about five other ones. And I was thinking, wow, these guys are really... Uh, I guess my, you know, I'm getting known far and wide, and they're all out there. Prote- but that wasn't, uh, no, that wasn't me, Leslie. It was, uh, it, it's, it's for the Alps. Uh, who, who is, who will be here? For the, for the other it, celebrity. Yeah, for the other, uh, yeah. What letter would I be? If she's an A-list, uh, we may need to go to, to even the Greek letters, I think. We may need to pass Z to get uh, to You get would there. be a K-list, because Alba and Kernan. <laughs> I'm a K- K-list celebrity. All right, Leslie Picker. Joining us right now is Jessica Alba, Honest uh, Company founder and chief creative officer, also the company's CEO, uh, Nick Vlaos. Good morning uh, to both of you. Congratulations. I know this is a big day. And I was thinking back, Jessica, we spoke back at, at DealBook in 2014 uh, in the midst of this journey of yours. 
And, and I'm curious if you think about what that journey has looked like, uh, sort, of, sort of how you pin what's happened between then and now. You know, it really feels like I have three kids, but this really feels like my fourth child. <laughs> and I feel like just every stage and every milestone feels a lot like raising a kid, you know? You're, you, uh, you go through uh, the motions, you guide and love and put your heart and soul into just, you know, making sure that there's the best outcome. And so I, I, I'm just thrilled that I'm here today. I'm talking to you with Nick Vlahos. He's been my partner um, over the last four years. And um, this is really a, a pinch me moment. Hey, Nick, uh, let's talk about the stock a little bit, or at least the valuation. I think there's lots of questions about how investors should be thinking about this company. And in particular, uh, thinking about the growth. Uh, you had uh, a close to 30 percent growth over the last year. Uh, a lot of uh, investors, I think, wonder how much of that was pandemic induced and whether that's sustainable and, and how they should think about that. Yeah, you know, we're a mission driven business. We're all about inspiring consumers to live a more conscious lifestyle. You look at the numbers and, you know, since 2018, you look at our core businesses actually grew uh, about 19 percent. And then this past year, we accelerated growing at 28 percent. But the key there is we're also expanding our margins. Uh, you know, since 2018, we've picked up about 1,100 basis points of gross margin. This past year, roughly 400 basis points of gross margin. So a lot of momentum on the business from a top line perspective, from a margin perspective. And uh, we've got, you know, a really bright future. Uh, in terms of the mix of businesses, uh, diapers and wipes, the, the kids business, Jessica, you talked about having kids. I have three kids. You've got the kids. Um, that's a huge part of the business. That's about 63% of the business right now. And then personal care products represent about 26% uh, of the business. How do you want that mix to look if we had this conversation a couple years from now? Well, I think we will continue to drive our personal care uh, business, our home business. And it's just exciting because, you know, I think when I first started the company, it was definitely, uh, you know, more focused around a certain type of consumer. But now everyone is aware of um, how they can live a better life. And they do care about safety and health. Uh, they really want to care also about sustainability, diversity and inclusion. All of these core pillars that Honest stands for is something that even that Gen Z cares about. Um, so it really spans across uh, a huge demographic and people that care about Honest. And so we will continue to drive all the categories that uh, reach people at every touch point in their life. In terms of distribution channels, and I, I, I know you do a lot of business with Amazon, how do you think about private label uh, versus some of the, brand, the other branded products versus others that are, that are getting into this space in terms of just the, the competitive landscape and how much of it is ultimately should be a D2C business, if you will, versus, versus leveraging some of the other distribution platforms? You know, you look at the business right now and about 55% of our business is digital about 45% is retail. And where the consumer continues to gravitate more and more is through that e-commerce lens. So we love the fact that we're an omni-channel business because we're very consumer oriented. We wanna make sure 
that we're accessible to where consumers want to shop. And that's really a, a shift versus the historical kind of conventional models from a business perspective. We're really building this modern consumer business for the future because we've got the consumer front and center. When you look at private label and you look at some of these you know, other brands, what we see from the data is, as you look out over the next few years, the natural kind of clean categories that we compete in are forecasts to grow between 9 and 10%. The conventional players within those same categories are forecasted to grow between 1 and 2%. So there's momentum acceleration. We have tailwinds from a consumer perspective, and we've got that modern brand because not only do we deliver against clean, safe effectiveness in our products, we make them accessible uh, where consumers are shopping. Hey, Jessica, I'm curious how you've thought about the IPO process. I ask because I remember talking to you about whether you thought you'd ever sell to a bigger company like a, like a Procter & Gamble or whether you'd go independent. Obviously, now there's uh, SPACs, or, you know, have become a huge vehicle for this. How have you thought about this whole process? I mean, I, I don't know if you could ever really wrap your head around it until you're in it. And, uh, and Nick and I have been in it for the last uh, almost six months. Uh, and it's, you know, it's wild. It's, <laughs> it's like, uh, I, I guess I bring everything back to having children. It's sort of like you're pregnant for a long time and then you have, you know, the baby is born. Um, but then the real work starts uh, once the baby is born where, you, where you're actually like raising the child. And I feel like this is right. the moment where we really dig into this next phase of growth. Um, and this is, you know, really the beginning for us in a lot of ways. How do you feel about being the, the face of this brand? I mean, you've actually turned this brand into something that's, I would argue, far beyond you personally. Yet when you go through the perspectives, one of the risk factors, Jessica, is you. It's, it's you. It's your, it's your social media presence. Um, it's your ability to get the word out. Um, and, and by the way, you spend a lot of time, because I, 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 I follow you on all of these things, you spend an inordinate amount of time on social media. Um. You know, social media has been a strategic uh, marketing channel for us. It is where we build community. And, uh, and from day one, having that engagement with the community is core to our val one of our values and what we're building. And it is a very different, different tactic, I would say, than more traditional um, companies out there. So we will continue to be innovative in how we build community, and we will be everywhere the consumer is. Okay. Well, uh, Jessica, Nick, we want to uh, wish you a lot of luck with it. We hope you come on back and uh, follow your progress. And I should tell you, um, Joe Kernan is downstairs. I don't know. I, 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 I hope Joe's right there, Joe. Right you, you can right say here. hello from, I feel your from hello and down. <laughs> I feel your presence. It's, it's good. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for, for coming on Squawk Box. I know you, it probably has been a dream your, your entire life, Jessica, to be on Squawk Box. And here, here we are. How did you know? Here we are. <laughs> it's here again, the part of the podcast when I ask you to do stuff. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter. Well, today is the last full day for you to do one more thing. Vote for Squawk Pod for a People's Voice Award at the Webbies. We are a nominee in the diversity and inclusion category for our individual episode from June 1st of last year. It was called America's Two Crises. In that podcast, we follow corporate America's response to nationwide unrest and demands for racial equality. We heard from Wes Moore, CEO of the Anti-Poverty Robin Hood Foundation. 
There will never be peace nor calm nor tranquility without justice. And I stand by the calls for peace. But where is our collective pain supposed to go in the absence of justice? You can head to cnbc.com slash vote squawk pod, cnbc.com slash vote squawk pod to make your voice heard. Voting is open until just before midnight Pacific time on May 6th. And that's Squawk Pod for today. Thank you for listening and thank you for voting, of course. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. You can subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll meet you back here tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.